Hello and welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me as always is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. How are you been doing? Uh, it has been a little bit rough at work. Uh, we are getting into the thick of holidays and uh, we have state testing coming up. And we're also like starting a business that I'm helping with at work, and there's just lots of things mounting. But the good news is, for our listeners, um, uh, testing will be closing today when you hear this. Yeah, the 16th is a Friday, so um, I will be done testing. I will still have to send in the paperwork on Yay. Monday, but but that's okay. Um, I will do that, and then this, the state of Pennsylvania will be happy. Um, and then we'll all get to go home and enjoy Christmas. That's right. Enjoy a much so needed holiday. Good. Yes, for sure. How are things on your end, Tyler, a.k.a. Verum? Yeah, pretty good. Also just gearing up for Christmas. So, um, yeah, I work at a church, so we have lots of Christmas Eve services. that are how, be many, how many do we have this year? We have uh, 13. Oh, okay. 13 Christmas Eve services. Yeah, it's actually less than some years in the past. Some years we've had 15. So Yeah, I think last year maybe they had 14. Um, yeah. I think I heard 14 one year. Yeah. So there's um, one on the 18th, and then we skip a day, and then there's one on the 21st. Or no, one on the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd. And then there's three on the 23rd, and then there are six on the 24th. So, you know, I asked our pastor, and um, I think he said around 14,000 people come through the doors of the church. <laughs> right. Yep. Or That's he may of, have just said that to the crowd. I think he just yeah. said that yeah. last year. Yeah, I think in our I marketing, think was, in our marketing materials, it'll say over 15,000 people come. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of people. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the time I, by the, when we're recording this, the registration will be going up tomorrow. So, all of the Christmas stuff will be going live. So, this week has been ironing out all the final details and just making sure that everything's good to go. So, yeah, and then uh, we'll have our kids' camp as well launching December first. So, that will be my next thing to do between. Uh, now and, and December 1st to make sure that's all good to go. So, yeah, yeah lots of stuff happening. Yep. And then so. that's like, that's the culmination of the year, though, is kind of getting all the Christmas right. services out of the way. Right. Yeah. So, or, get, or just getting through them, not getting them out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Christmas is a great time of year. And, uh, yeah, by the time you guys hear this, it'll, because this is scheduled to go up December 16th. So, um yeah you guys will have hope you guys have a merry christmas if because uh by the time you hear this that's that's when you'll be listening is around christmas time so hope you uh, merry christmas yes merry christmas hope you enjoy some time with your family and uh remember the reason for the season which is jesus christ's birth and coming to the world and it is not all about the presence and the gifts that you are giving or receiving so just remember that commercialism is alive and well 
That's right. It is America. Yep. So, um, yeah, we we're actually trying to actively train um, my parents not to give so many things. Because uh, right. <laughs> I, I don't want, you know, um, my kids being very materialistic. It yeah. is definitely a little hard to like break that and um yeah yeah it's it's better if you don't put it in them early <laughs> like yes. i can only have a good time if i get something no no no, no. We, yes. we can have a good time together regardless if we get new things or not new yeah. things are cool but i don't think that they're a guarantee and i don't right. think that we should have them all the time they should be yeah. something a little more special than just yeah. like the tuesday things just give you a temporary amount of joy or amount of happiness in the moment and then slowly fades away as you, the longer Mm -hmm. you have it. So it's like in our, our pastor's sermons, a lot of times he'll say like, if I could just get the next thing, or if I could just get the new car, the new house or the, you know, whatever, the new job. um, Maybe if you get one of those things, you feel great. And it's like, everything is amazing. And my life is going to be perfect now. And then over time, it just slowly, it's like, ah, I didn't think that, I guess that thing isn't actually as important as I thought it was. And then you have a new thing that you want to get. And then there's a, ne- there's always a next thing. So, yep. um, yeah, I'm definitely struggling with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been setting up my office, AKA laboratory, AKA 3d printing workshop and, uh, uh okay. The meth lab. <laughs> Hey, we're not calling it that. <laughs> Only you call it that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I need to slow things down. And I'm going to see if I can turn some 3D printed items into money. So that will be a yes. fun speaking experiment. Of 3D, <laughs> speaking of 3D printed, you have, a, you have a, a guest or a friend on your shoulder there. Yeah, this is the Infinity Dragon. Um, oh, yeah. This Yep, this was like a 11-hour print on the Bamboo Carbon X1, or X1 Carbon. And uh, that saved me... I'm, I'm estimating about six hours on the print versus, like, the Prusas that I own. So, um, yeah. the I That is a 3D printer that I recommend. Is the uh, Bamboo X1. is probably just as good as the Bamboo X1 Carbon. I got the Carbon because it does special filaments, like the flexible mm-hmm. filament... Um, and some other ones so um but i'm also interested in the multi-color because making colored 3d prints is really cool because then you don't have to pay someone to make it look really cool it just comes off the machine looking really cool yeah so that's why i invested in this one yeah every time we get on to record the podcast gabe has some new print to show or something like that so well, you have to remember, to I have like 80 customers at school. Like I have all these kids like um, that are just like, I want this. I want that. So they're constantly asking me to print different things. Skeletons and the guy Fox masks are like the, the big things right now. Um, nice. People want the skeleton. And, and they're now getting into the Infinity Dragons. Um, we just started printing those this week. So Cool. <clears throat> Guess right. what? Side quest complete. <laughs> All right. A side quest before the podcast even started in the introduction. <laughs> so there And you just go. so our listeners know, we won't always do that. We will try True. to jump right into the content a lot of the times. 
Yes. But sometimes we just got to go on a side quest. Yeah, well, it's a holiday, and you know, you just want to wish our listeners a Merry Christmas or and a Happy New Year. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about what we'll be doing in the next episode. Because uh, yeah. we have a little bit of a new thing that we'll be doing. A new type of book. Or not book. Uh-huh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait till the end to find out. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, yeah, make sure you guys check, to our, check out our website. It's uh, pagesoflight.com. And you can also find us on all the social media platforms. Go uh, subscribe on our YouTube channel if you want to check out the video version and some of the other videos that I've put up there on the channel as well. And you can also check me out on Goodreads if you want to see what is coming up uh, in the future on the podcast. And yeah, so in this episode, we are going to be talking about the Ring of Solomon. Uh, so this is going to be part two uh, at the ending at the ending of the book. So chapter 21 into, until the end, which I think is chapter 38, if I remember correctly. And yeah, so it's been good to check out this book. It's been a fun, a fun read. Um, was it good for you to reread it? Did you like it the f- second time around just as much as the first? I uh, yeah, I mean Bartimaeus <laughs> and just his like personality just like cracked me up and uh I he's like so full of himself. <laughs> and he <laughs> and uh I just I just really like his character and you know, he's not, you know, he has a sinful nature. After all, he is referred to as a demon, but um Right. Well, I like Bartimaeus overall. What can I say? And then, and he and he gives his mind to people that he's like really he shouldn't be giving his mind to because they have complete control over him. <laughs> but he does right. it anyway. So yeah, why not? Got to give him props for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy the read. I love. Um, I'll, I'll geek out on like the magical defenses, but I just think that those are really cool. Nice. Well, that's a good segue because uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite quote. And this time, Gabe has a favorite quote. Yay! I did it. <laughs> and so why don't you kick us off with your favorite quote, Gabe, because it kind of goes along with what you were saying about what you liked about uh, this book. Yeah. So uh, Bartimaeus is just like full of himself, uh, like I said, and uh, it's fun. So he's talking to Asmira and he's asking, why didn't you kill Solomon? He said, you had a dagger, you could have gotten me to do it. I've killed kings before now, oodles of them. Four of them, in fact. Three of them ultra-cool, deliberate acts of assassination. And one, an unfortunate mishap involving a barking dog, a child's toy chariot, a slippery corridor, a short, deep ramp, steep ramp, and a cauldron full of beef fat. That one had to be seen to be believed. So, um, why did I choose this quote? There's not a lot of Christian (laughs) motivation behind choosing this quote. But I, so, I just find Jonathan Stroud's mind to be very, like, a fun place to visit. Because I like the way that he describes things. And this is just kind of, like, he doesn't paint the details. He doesn't tell you how it happens. It's just... There is a king that got boiled to death by the misfortune of a, of stepping on a slippery corridor with a child's chariot. So, um, 
I picked it because Jonathan Stroud makes me laugh with these like ridiculous things. But it also shows like his like devotion to building out the character. Like again, like right. we talked about in the first episode how he does these kind of like asides and at in in the written version that you have, it's like a at the bottom yeah, it'll like send you down. Yeah, it's like a footnote down there. And then for me, as soon as it happens, they just read the footnote right in context with, um, you know, the story. So um, you're kind of getting the background information. But it just shows you how he will build out his characters and he thinks about, like, where they were previously. Um, and so he kind of builds them out this way. So it's like an attention to detail sort of thing and then, like, just his colorful, um, like description of things so i that's why i chose my quote <laughs> awesome good to that's a good quote i as i mentioned in the last podcast i do like the little footnotes and asides that he does um just kind of giving it's usually because like solomon or not solomon uh bartimaeus wants to like talk himself up and like tell you how cool <laughs> he was or whatever for whatever thing he was doing um and there's also just sometimes where he defines a concept or a word or something that you might not really know. Um, so yeah. Like the stimulating compass or the inverted skin. Right. Oh yeah. Inverted skin. I don't remember what that was, but that, that sticks out in my mind. I remember reading that one, but I can't remember what it, what it was. It, it's like a torture spell for your unruly gin. Okay. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound very good. Inverted skin. Nope. <laughs> Can't even imagine. No, thank you. <clears throat> All right, let's hit. Let's hear your quote. All right, yeah, my quote is. Um, it was interesting because Gabe's quote is one page before my quote, so they're in the same chapter, almost the same page. Um, so this one is Bartimaeus talking to Asmira, and in the context, this is right after they. Uh, I think it's right after they stole the ring from Solomon and they're basically talking about uh, like Bartimaeus is trying to ask her some questions about, you know, why she did certain things. And, uh, and also in the context of why she didn't kill Solomon when she had the chance. And uh, so he's talking to her and he says, you don't like that revelation. You don't like it because that means she, she sent you here mistakenly and everything you risked was for nothing. You don't like it because if your queen's not infallible, it calls into question the whole purpose of your sad little life, doing what she says, sacrificing yourself for her, doesn't it? Oh yes, and just maybe it calls into question your mother's sacrifice too. And yeah, I just like that quote because it was uh, Bartimaeus really hitting a nerve with uh, Asmira and her like her reason for doing what she's doing and trying to steal the ring or kill Solomon, whatever, whichever of the two. And I just like this quote because we're going to talk about uh, some of the major themes in this book that we saw um, like throughout the podcast as we talk about the plot. And so one of them is the blind faith in religion or like your leader or something like that. And this is basically Bartimaeus like challenging her, like your queen told you to do something, but she didn't have the correct information. And so now you're doing this thing based on a lie essentially. And so 
And if like your queen is not infallible, then how can you believe in her? Um, and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of reminded me about um, like religion and like apologetics and people t- saying like, you know, God does this thing. Like, why, why would you believe in a God that does this? Like, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but I think it's interesting if you're trying to make it like kind of an allegorical, this particular quote, like if you say the queen is God and then your mother is, yep. and then the mother is Jesus. Like if God is not infallible or if God is fallible and he's not all knowing and all, all powerful and, you know, loving, then you have to call into question the sacrifice that Jesus made. And if it's truly a sacrifice, uh, for us and for the whole world. Um, so that was, and I think the, also another part of that is like the nice thing about like believing in God is that he is, he is God and he is the only thing that will not let you down. And, and here, you know, Asmir is placing her faith in a human being, um, you know, you know, a queen, a regal person who's making difficult choices for her country. But, um, yeah. And I liked your touch on apologetics. Uh, that's exactly the word I was thinking about. Like, um, you know, I think of the living waters, uh, YouTube station with, um, oh, his name will come to me later. Uh, Ray, Ray comfort, Ray comfort. Thank you. Um, and how like he, in his like, like, 10 minute interviews he can bring people to christ he can bring people to tears and it's all about like like getting them to see like something that they didn't see before and that's what bartimaeus is doing here he's like he's like there is an inconsistency in your behavior like you say you're all about living for the queen yet you didn't do this and then um and so like i think ray comfort does a good job in his apologetics with like you know, you say you believe um, that you like. He will talk to a woman about like um, like creating a child, and um, like he's like God is creating this child, and he's like, "Can you make me like on demand like a human being?" <laughs> and they're like, right. "Not really," because you know the whole nine month pregnancy thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and he is like, he goes into the description of like the eyes and how there's so many nerve endings and like, uh, you know, you have your rods and your cones and explains like how intricate the whole system is. And like, that's something that humans could never really do without God. Um, and so I think that that is spot on with your like apologetics, like just, uh, cause some people have their blinders on and they they need something that's going to like jar them out of it and i think it takes a really like a lot of discernment to to speak into someone's life where you see things that are like if they're doing a destructive behavior and like you have to like work work them to the end which is hey maybe this behavior isn't what i should be doing in the long run so i um yeah Good, good quote, Tyler. Yeah. And I just think also about how many people are putting their trust in just human, in other human people and not a divine uh, source, uh, the divine source, which is God. And 
I mean, you can put your trust in not just people, you can put your trust in, you know, things or ambitions or, you know, stuff like that. Like, it doesn't have to be, um, like an individual person. Uh, it could be anything that you're like, anything that you're making God in your life. Um, there was, uh, in the last, uh, weekend, uh, sermon from our pastor, he said a line that stuck out to me. He said, um, you worship your way into sin, which means you have to worship your way out of sin. And so, Uh yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to phrase it because in a lot of ways, whenever you're sinning, you are worshiping something over God. Like you're not seeking God in that moment and you're instead worshiping the other thing, whether it's, um, lust or money or, uh, you know, whatever. Possessions. Yeah. It could be even good things like family or, you know, whatever it is. But if any of those things, uh, take priority over God, you're worshiping those things instead of God. And so to get out of that, you have to worship your way out of sins. You have to worship the creator to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bring yourself out of that mindset. So I just thought that was an interesting, interesting, uh, way to phrase it. Um, and it's yeah, similar cool. in this quote as well, where as Mira was basically worshiping the queen and she was taking anything that she said as like gospel, essentially the queen said it, so it must be true. So she wouldn't lie to me. Um, but if you're, if the queen has wrong information, then, uh, yeah, you know, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and with humans, it's like, um, every human being will let you down. Yes. Every single one of them. There will be a point in your life where they will let you down. And fortunately, it's been like (laughs) the way that people who are close to me now let me down. It's like it's not a big deal. (laughs) It's not like a big betrayal or like they stole money from me or something like that. It's just like um, (laughs) we can't like be on time to this place that's important to one of us or, you know, like just these right. little things, the, the the little things, you know, and you want to find the people who like when they let you down, they're not trying to let you down. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, they, they take your thoughts and feelings into consideration, but yeah, every, every person will let you down. And, you know, if, if it's watch out for the hazardous relationships that, um, take too much out of you yeah the end (laughs) the end all right yeah so there's our favorite quotes good discussion on those uh so now let's jump into some some book discussion uh so like we said we're going to be talk like trying to think about some major themes uh as we talk about the book and so one of them as i mentioned is blind faith in like your religion or just leaders in general um and you know what the bible has to say about that and then the other one is the burden of power um and so we see this mainly with solomon in terms of how like what it took for him to wield the ring and how much it took out of him and so that's the main place that we'll see that uh that explored so and then the counterpoint to solomon is kaba right right because we have like the two extremes here yes. of how how to handle the power, right? Um, and we'll we'll dive into that when we get to 
um, the part where Kaba gets the ring of Solomon. Ah, one ring to rule them all. Had That's to have this little, had to have Lord yeah. of the Rings. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Gabe. Do you want to start us off with uh, some of the story plot? What we're what we're picking up here in chapter twenty-two or twenty? I'd love to. Um, okay, so we left off uh, the last podcast. Bartimaeus has been trapped by Amit, who is the shadow of Kaba, in a bottle with the spell of indefinite indefinite confinement. And Bartimaeus, he does this "woe is me" like soliloquy. He's been trapped for years inside the bottle, and it's been pain and torture, and, it's just, and he's slowly, like, losing his mind, and then all of a sudden, he's free, he feels himself going to the other place, and he's there, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> he gets pulled back into reality, back into our plane of existence, and Asmira had summoned him, and he's like, what? What are you summoning me for? And... He's like, shouldn't you be old? And she was like, that was yesterday. I saw you yesterday. <laughs> so uh, I, I really liked how Jonathan Stradless like builds like part of me. It's like, oh, like I'm, I'm suffering and going through all this pain and anguish. No one knows where I am in the world. And then he's only been gone for like 24 hours. We're not even. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just those little things just make me happy in the writing of this book. Yeah. Um, so Asmira has some training as a magician, but she is not, as Bartimaeus says multiple times throughout the book, she is yeah. not a magician because um, the way the magicians are built like in this whole series is like they are working for themselves. They are finding every angle to get ahead. They will step on people to get where they want to go. And Asmira, as we can see, she is a great servant. She, In fact, she blindly is faithful to um, Balkus. And yes. um, um, so she's great at being that. And she is not, she does not have the heart of a magician in the way mm-hmm. um, Bartimaeus sees the world. So she frees him and she orders him to take her to the ring. And so the part that, one of the parts that I like about this book are the magical defenses. Um, and I love how Bartimaeus sneaks into Solomon's tower. So he goes through this rigmarole of like, he's got to like duck through some hallways and like um, avoid some very dangerous spirits. And then he starts taking them out stealth yep. style. He's going to sneak around here, eat this yep. imp, take out that foliate. And then he disguises himself as those creatures and he's up to no good. And, and right. he's witnessed doing that. And then he'll, you know, um, go to another part of the garden. And so he gets all the demons summoned uh, to mount a, like, a defense of the treasury. So they all go to defend the treasury, and now Bartimaeus is on his way up to Solomon's Tower. And then there's like these flying things that will envelop you if you like go near them. And then uh, he's crawling up the wall, and there's these like spider demons on the wall. And he's got to like fight one. And he barely makes it. And then another one's about to get him. And Asmira like throws a knife and destroys it with a surprised look on its face. Because it's um, silver. Because it's silver dagger. Yep. Yep. So they um, demons do not like silver and iron. Yeah. And she's like, she only has a few daggers left. So every time she throws one, she's like, oh, I only have two more. It'll yep. be enough. Yep. I also liked she's, in this scene where Bartimaeus is like, 
Oh, you can't see all of the invisible planes because she can only see the first plane. And yep. so he, I think he like kind of messes with her a little bit. Like, oh, you got to step over here. You got to jump through this thing. And I think half the time he was just like, that's there's nothing actually there. She just He just wants to make her like <laughs> look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love those little descriptions. He's like, yep, quick quit like or keep wiggling through or something like that and like yep. i i love that like uh and jonathan stroud does that he will have the person describe what the other person is doing like like take that sour look off your face or you know something like that yeah and so it's like in in the narrative format but it's kind of responding well, in I think real time to people yeah i think it's interesting because the bartimaeus chapters are in first person so whenever Bartimaeus is talking, he's always saying I. Uh-huh. But in the Asmira chapters, it's like third person because it says Asmira could feel her silver daggers and it never it's never in, in the I form. Oh, so yeah. it's interesting how he's he changes the what's the what's the phrase for first person? Like, what is that? The literary phrase for that? I can't remember, but. If it comes to you, tell us. Yeah, but yeah, I just th- I just noticed that like the the Bartimaeus chapters are always in first person, and Asmir's chapters are. In uh, third yeah, person. I, I never realized that either. That's interesting. Yeah, so because that's why we can get the footnotes from Bartimaeus because he's it's his own inner monologue. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. That is, yeah. There you go. Um. There we go. So they uh, get up to Solomon's. Uh, tower and there he is he's standing there as large as life uh, you know in his tower and Bartimaeus is like this is too easy he doesn't know why Um, and I believe it's uh, maybe like a glamour but it like the Solomon she sees it's definitely an illusion yep and um, Bartimaeus finds himself um, I think maybe hiding from something in like a pot and he discovers an Afrit that's been sent inside a pot and it can like whisper to him and that's the only thing it can do. Um, and it tells him the secret that the Solomon that he's looking at is a fake um, and it's an illusion. Um, and I think that's how they break through and find the real Solomon. Who well, the I, think the, is... I think the pot thing comes later because he gets oh. trapped in there and they talk about like you can get the ring when he's sleeping or something like that. Is that where he finds that out that information? Yes. Um, so yeah, I forget exactly the time log, but I think Asmir kind of goes under the glamor. Yeah. And then I think Bartimaeus like, I forget exactly how that transpires, but they uh, find themselves at like at Solomon and then they have this um like discussion so um yeah. do you want to tell us about Solomon and Asmira um yeah basically they she throws her dagger at Solomon because she thinks this is her chance she's going to do it and Bartimaeus is like hey it's not a good idea i think this is a trap you should probably not do this and, but I think Asmira just really wants this to be done and she wants to finish her job. And so she's not really listening to reason. It's inter- it's weird because 
he brings her all the way through all these traps, through all these things. And then at the very end, he's like, hey, this is a trap. Maybe don't do this. She's like, no, nah, I'm not going to listen to you now. I'm I'm at the end. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, yep. It's just kind of interesting where it's like she could almost taste it. She could taste the end of her journey. And that was just like too much for her. Like she couldn't resist in a way. And so she just had to take the shot. But it was it was uh, it was a decoy. And I think there's like, <clears throat> is it another? Is there like a Marib or a, uh, not a Marib, a Marid, uh, a big yeah. spirit that Man. comes out and like basically knocks her out essentially. Uh huh. And I, I think, think this is when I think down. this is when Sol- this is when uh, uh, Bartimaeus flees because he mm-hmm. sees the trap, so he he skedaddles out of there. Mm-hmm. And then she gets captured and then Solomon, he, she wakes up and Solomon's talking to her and, uh, he's basically talking to her about like, you know, who are you? You know, what is your purpose here? All of these questions. And she tries to put up the facade that she had developed for herself, her fake persona. And, but Solomon's not really buying that. And so eventually she just tells him the truth. Like I was sent here by Queen Balkus to kill you or take the ring and bring it back to her and Solomon is quite confused by this because she tells him that we got your messenger and they made all these demands and we didn't want to adhere to them and all this kind of stuff and Solomon's like I didn't do any of that stuff so that's the big reveal is that Solomon is being framed so he is now getting new information that someone is out there in his name demanding payment uh, for you know basically not destroying all these countries. Um, right. And so, <clears throat> uh, you know, we kind of thought that Solomon was not the best of guys, but um, as we see in the back half of the book, he's really not that bad. And yeah. um, we go into the description of the ring um, where it talks about the great, like, um, toll it takes on the bearer you know right. maybe like a lord of the rings you know takes a toll <laughs> on the bear slowly um, slowly destroys frodo quite sad yeah. <laughs> um so solomon discovered this ring inside like a crypt and they had like taken the person um and they'd like tied them to a chair and they had mm-hmm. the ring on and it ended up killing them um and he finds the ring and slowly he grows in power with it. And what we learn is that the the it's like plunging your whole body into like ice water. Like it is breathtaking how much pain is involved in wearing the ring. And yep. Solomon wears the ring every single day of his life. Um, yep. And he has to carry that burden. And he carries it well because no one knows that it is such a... Like none of his magicians are aware that... Like, in order for Solomon to use the ring, he has to go through, like, an incredible amount of self, like, discipline and um, to bear a burden. And then, kind of like in a Christian way, like, when you are under stress, like, like trying not to let that bleed over into other parts of your life. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling stressed at work. And I'm telling people that I'm feeling stressed at work. Should I be doing that or should I just be carrying my burden? I don't know. 
I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think it's all about the heart. Like, right. you know, is, is the heart to like gain people's pity? I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I think it's more of just like, cause some people do that. They tell you things and then like, they right. want you to feel bad for them. Right. And, and my approach is just like, this is me communicating how I'm feeling like today. I am stressed out. <laughs> um, but Solomon, who's here, he wears this ring every day that any other man who put it on would probably not be able to wear it for even for a full day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he bears that with such eloquence and um, and mm-hmm. he still, um, you know, Bartimaeus even compliments him on like not using the ring to do exactly whatever he wants. Right. Um, and now we also kind of know why when he would pass judgment and tell his magicians to go do work. Um, cause every time he puts on the ring and, and asks the spirit to do, um, something for him that it caught, co- it costs him a physical amount of pain and, um, and it ages him. Yeah. Like his emotional energy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, and then here he's being framed and uh, he's going to have to figure out what to do with that information. Yeah, I have to. I, I, you said we thought he was the bad guy. And I remember from the first podcast because I had just edited it last night, actually, part one. And so I was saying that Solomon's like the bad guy in this book and they're making him seem like he's not the biblical character. And it's like, how, how different is it from Bible Solomon versus this book Solomon? And... Mm-hmm. I have to I have to retract my statements. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not uh he's not as bad as I as I thought he was. As as I thought he was going to be made out to be. I thought Solomon was gonna be like the bad guy in this book, but it's actually Kaaba who is the bad guy that they're gonna fight in the end. And so yeah. That was that was the twist that I liked. I like that uh the reveal of that Solomon is really, he found this ring and he's doing his best to wield it in a way that is as responsible as he possibly can. Of course he's human, right? He's human. So he's not going to live up to that expectation. He's going to fail. Um, but he's doing the best that he can with, uh, with what he's given. So, and you know, later on we'll see whenever Kaba gets the ring, what he's going to do with it. So, now we have the complete contrast between Solomon with the ring versus Kaba with the ring. Which one would we rather have? Uh, it's a pretty <laughs> easy choice there. And Especially with the name Kaba the Cruel. That's right. Kaba the Cruel. He definitely does not deserve a ring of all-encompassing power. So, Certainly not. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit there. Uh, so... Yeah, basically Solomon is talking to Asmira, trying to get information, and he says like I didn't do that, you know, basically all this stuff. And Sol- and Bartimaeus shows up, and he did this like swaparoo with the ring. I think he made like a fake version of the ring, so it didn't. It looked like it was still there, like a like a facade or an illusion or something. Yeah, I think they call it a glamour. Right. And so he does that so they don't notice. And he does the little, the quick switch. And he's like, we got it, guys. And uh, so this is where Asmira 
has to make a decision about what she's going to do because she's basically accomplished the thing that she set out to do. She, her Bartimaeus, who is like in her, like she's in, she summoned him. So Bartimaeus has to do what she says. And so indirectly she has the ring now. And so is she going to kill Solomon? Is she going to take the ring back to Sheba? Uh, is she going to destroy the ring? Uh, maybe, uh, she could talk to Frodo about how to destroy rings. Get <laughs> trade notes. <laughs> Sorry, enough Lord of the Rings. No more Lord of the Rings for the rest of the podcast. No, nah, I'm not going to make that promise. No, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to. I like how you're trying to self-impose rules. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go on with yourself. <laughs> um, but this is where we have our, our quote where there, Bartimaeus is talking to Asmira because Asmira says, we got to take the ring back to... Um, Sheba and Queen Balkus will know what to do because she knows uh, everything and I trust her completely. Even though we just got done with a conversation of Solomon saying, hey, you're queen. Uh, maybe she didn't lie to you because she didn't know, but she definitely told you something that was not true, even though she maybe thought it was true. Um, and so now with this new information, are you still going to make your decision with what your queen told you to do or are you going to make a new decision based on this new information and so at the beginning she's like we're going to still go back to queen balkus i made a commitment this is what i'm going to do and uh but i think as she's talking to bartimaeus she has second thoughts and she's like i i can't do it and so and this is when uh kaba shows up with all of his uh his demons and uh, all the other magicians show up as well, I think. Or is it just Kaba that shows up at the beginning? I think yeah, it's, it's just Kaba. Kaba. Yeah, because Gazeri is there and Gazeri is the fool oh, right. who's like the spy. Right. So he informs Kaba. So Kaba is coming on the double by himself. Right. And he has Ahmet with him, of course, his shadow, uh, because they've been looking for Asmira because we actually skipped over a scene at the very beginning. Uh, at the very opening of this section of the book, we have Asmira, because Kaba, it seems like at the beginning, Kaba kind of has like the hots for Asmira, and she's like, we're going to get to know each other really well, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. And so he's going to take her around the palace like, and, and show, say, her to, like, show her, talk to all her friends and all this kind of stuff. And come up to my tower later, I think right, he says. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Kaba's like got some ulterior motives here with uh, Asmira and... Uh, but Asmira, she's there for another reason, obviously. And so she takes the opportunity to uh, steal. Because Kaba was walking around with the little bottle that had Bartimaeus in it <laughs> for some reason to like show off to his other magician friends. Like, hey, look, I caught Bartimaeus. Won't Solomon love me now? He's like seeking mm -hmm. the attention of Solomon. And so Asmira takes this opportunity to steal that bottle back and to free Bartimaeus. And so... Uh, basically what happens is Kaba gets really drunk and passes out and they can't find Asmira and he lost the bottle. So now they're like, huh, Asmira's gone. I don't have my bottle anymore. And Bartimaeus is gone. Mm, it's probably Asmira who took this from me. And so now they're on the hunt. And so now they finally catch up with her. And uh, he's like, Ahmet basically, cause he's a Marid. So he's very powerful. And so he s smacks uh, Asmira essentially like out of the way and gets the ring back and uh kaba now has the ring and this is where we get we have 
Solomon with the ring, and then we have Kaba with the ring. So, Gabe, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Kaba does with this ring whenever he gets it? So Kaba, the cruel, he's got a heart of vengeance, um, yes. and he is not one to, like, as soon as the power is his, he's going to start stepping on people. Um, yep. And so he is going to make his home country, like, the mecca of the world, and, like, he's going to become the ultimate ruler there, and he'll use the ring to take over the world, and he's going to start with Jerusalem. So he summons the great spirit of the ring and um, summons the largest army ever assembled um, of, of spirits since, like, way back in the day, and um, they just start destroying the city. They just, like, yep. are... Like ra- raising the city, and uh, so within minutes of Kaba getting the ring, there's like <laughs> destruction and, and mass scale death and destruction across right. the city of J- Jerusalem. And he wants to make sure that Solomon's uh, palace is torn down because you know it's a symbol of his power, and he wants to make sure that Solomon is cut low. And at this point, he believes Solomon is dead because Asmira told him that um, Bartimaeus strangled him, right. um, which, which was not true. They left him unharmed. Um, and so, so yeah, in a few minutes, Kaba the Cruel is hurting people and destroying things. So there's his inner character right there. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where some of the other magicians show up and they're like, yo, what are you doing? We need to have like a conversation about this. Like we all need to, to use the ring together. Like kind of like a democracy kind of a thing. Macabre's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm having none of those democracies. This is a uh, one, one person ruling. And uh, there's a scene where Ahmet just like, and like slices this guy's head off right in front of all the other magicians. Uh, oh, Do you yeah. remember that scene? And then I everybody do, yeah. else is like, ah, uh, they're like, Kaba means business. We're, uh, we're getting the heck out of here, folks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was kind of a gruesome scene for, uh, mm-hmm. a kid's kind of book, but yeah, this just, uh, shows the stakes that Kaba's not messing around. This reminded I mean, what me if, of, oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the beef fat, the beef fat, that, that sounds pretty terrible way to go too. I know, but he didn't go into very many details. You exactly. Have to, you have to infer. And that's why I like that about him. He just like he he plants the seed, and then he's right. just like it's up to your it. up to your imagination of what happens. Yeah. This remind this scene reminded me of uh, in the first Avengers movie whenever the uh, Loki opens up that portal in New York, and all of the Chitari armies are coming through this portal, and there's like oh. flying, flinging out. There's like all these flying things and these massive alien ship things and just all this chaos is happening. This is what that reminded me of. Like he's just summoned all these demons are flying everywhere and everyone's like screaming and Oh my gosh, what is happening? This is insane. Run for cover. So that was my, that's how I envisioned this scene happening in my head. Yeah. I like that. I think that's an apt description because that's exactly what Kaba would have wanted. And Amit because Amit is like, Kaba is like, soulmate from the um the other side <laughs> <laughs> his soulmate that's yeah. a good description <clears throat> um yeah so kaba's doing all this stuff and uh uh there's a scene i can't 
I'm trying to remember. I think Ahmet is like a little distracted with all the stuff that's happening because he's trying to help in the destruction as well. And so this leaves like an opportunity for uh, Asmira to like she has one dagger left because she, uh, she had three when she started getting into the palace. She used one to kill that a spider thingy that we mentioned before. And then she used a second one to throw at the fake illusion. illusion Solomon. So she has one more dagger left and she sees Kaba over there doing his ring stuff. And she's like, I can take a shot. I have one dagger, silver dagger, which means it can't get deflected by the magic. She's like, I can slice his ring off or kill him potentially. And so she takes the shot and uh, you just describe it just describes like slices his finger clean off and you see the ring falling on the floor it's almost like that scene in uh lord of the rings at the very end where Gollum bites off frodo's (laughs) finger and (laughs) takes the ring off of his little stub finger Uh, the parallels we did it guys we did it (laughs) so yeah so it's like that scene and so now uh, and this, whenever the uh, the ring gets chopped off, this like leaves Bartimaeus, gives him an opening to like dash, and he transforms into I think they said it was a phoenix, right? Yeah. Is that what he is? I think that on the uh, original paperback, there's a picture of him as a phoenix. I think that's what uh, the art is. And uh, so he flies, and he in his beak he picks up Kaba's little stub finger with the ring, and he flies straight away because they had previously had a conversation while they were being imprisoned that we need to get the ring we need to fly it to the sea we need to cast it into the ocean so that nobody can have it because they decide that the ring is too powerful for any one person to any one person to have so and that is uh yeah so he flies away into the sea and now that Kaba is severed from the ring. He doesn't have all his magical powers. And Solomon makes this comment because, uh, as Mira runs away, essentially, I think she's going to go fight Kaba, but she's like, I need uh, a weapon or something. And so she runs away and Kaba's like, ha ha, she ran away. I win. Uh, but she actually, she actually just went to go find a weapon and, uh, she meets Solomon over there. And it was funny. Like Solomon, she comes up to Solomon and Solomon's just like, yeah, I've just been watching everything happen. Just, taking it all in it's like that it's like that scene in house of the dragon where uh if you've seen house of the dragon uh daemon targaryen is uh he's watching all of these things happen in his family and he's just like sitting over on the side like leaning and smiling like ha this is a funny scene like all these people are doing these crazy things um oh. it's, a, it's just a funny scene and uh mm-hmm. so now they have to team up and solomon uh, she kind of Solomon seems like he kind of likes Asmira now because Asmira didn't kill him when he she had the chance, and uh, she or he thinks that you know she's pretty she's pretty skilled. She got through all of her all of his traps with Bartimaeus's help, of course, and so yeah. Now they're gonna help each other and get all these magical artifacts and uh, use them against Kaba because he's Solomon makes a comment that he's almost weakened because he was using he was channeling so much of his power through the ring and now that whenever he lost the ring like it left him in like this like reduced 
like state where he couldn't like remember all of his magical incantations that he has to say. I don't know if you remember that scene, but um. yeah. And he wasn't like a real magician. Like he kind of only barely knew it. Um, and the ring Who? is really what Solomon. So yeah. Oh, right. And Solomon. the ring has like really like been the source of most of his power. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and so that's, um, basically what happens and they're basically fighting back and they get all these magical artifacts and (laughs) that is a funny scene as well because Solomon's like rummaging through his like treasure room he's like I don't know I just like collected all these things I never had time to like test all of them and figured out what they did and so he's like here try these glass balls and see what they do and so he's just like tossing her random magical artifacts and she's like "Ah, throwing them let's see what they do it's just kind of funny Um, yeah it is kind of like an unguarded moment. Like, you're just yeah. like, oh, we're going to figure something out. I was just like, Solomon, you're supposed to be the guy. You're supposed to know what all this stuff does. But he's just yeah. like, nah, Solomon's just kind of like, ah, I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. We're just see what, see what happens. I don't know. So yeah. uh, it was just kind of funny. Yeah. I, and, and again, I, I just enjoy Jonathan Stroud's like sense of humor. You have like basically the ruler of like the civilized world. And then he's just like kind of like kind of bumbling through like how right. what to do next right um so yeah. um so we get back to so i think as mira and solomon are gonna go back right go back what do you mean to fight kava oh yeah they went to get their magical artifacts and uh i think kava is coming after them so mm-hmm. And all, also, Jazari maybe is fighting with them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so, at this point in this storyline, Ahmet comes back. And Ahmet is holding the ring. Oh, right. And, and, and Kaba is saying, Give me the ring, slave. Give it to me. And then <laughs> Ahmet's going, Ooh, can you get it? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, that was a big jump. <laughs> oh, you almost got it there. So, yeah. and again, that's that scene just just tickles me. It, it makes me laugh uh, because it's it's actually Bartimaeus, yeah. and he's and he's just making a fool out of Kava. And Kava thinks that it's Ahmet, but um, yeah, he's like, what Bart- are you doing? <laughs> Stop <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Yep, you are the worst slave, um, and uh, and it's just Bartimaeus messing with him, like, yep. and I just find that hilarious. So, um, in so, rewind to the chase. So Bartimaeus has taken his Phoenix guys, one of the fastest flying forms. He's got jet propulsion by his fire tail, um, but Ahmed is still stronger than he, and he's gaining on him. And Bartimaeus is able to lure him into a forest and like injure him and like um at least stop him from like catching him so he's gonna make mm-hmm. it to the sea um i did like before you continue there i liked how he described the ring the power of the ring and its effect on bartimaeus as he's holding it or like mm-hmm. not even holding it he's holding the stub finger with the ring on it but he was saying that the ring is like melting his essence like his beak what he was using to hold uh, the ring like his beak yep. was melting and it was like drooping essentially 
So I just thought that was an interesting way to describe like what it was doing to Bartimaeus is like spirit essence. Mm-hmm. So because him, they him, they can yeah. they can choose any form. And yep. so they're malleable but yes. malleable, but um yeah, he's he's definitely suffering. So uh so he gets the 40 miles to the sea and he knows his charge is to throw it into the sea. And then Ahmet's like, you know, if you throw it into the sea, I'm just going to go get it. Like, <laughs> right. I like a little bit of water is not going to stop me from retrieving this for my master. Um, and so Bartimaeus says, well, I've gone this far. And so he's just like, I got, I got to go the whole way. Right. So he, he puts on the ring. And so this whole time, it's melting his essence. It's causing him pain. He doesn't even like being in its presence because it's got this immense glow on all the planes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he decides he's going to put it on. And so he said it was like opening a gate um, to the other to the other place. Um, and his essence is being like whipped around, kind of kind of imagining it being like in a hurricane. It's just like. This whole yep. torrent of energy trying to rip him apart. And he's holding strong. He's a strong genie. Um, and so he's su- he's in Solomon's guise and he's talking to um, the great spirit of the ring. And he's just said, yeah, you see that married over there? I think he needs a good thrashing. So just go ahead and give him a thrashing. <laughs> and then... and then Well, before, like, um, whenever he put the ring on, Ahmet was like, ah... Uh. I'm out of here. So he starts flying yep. away and he, he can see like from a, a long distance, like what's happening to Ahmet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's happening in the distance. Like, yeah, right. that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> um, and then, uh, apropos Bartimaeus gets the, uh, great spirit to find a bottle in the ocean, bring it up. And then he's going to put Ahmet in the, uh, bottle with the spell of, um, indefinite confinement just and like he just, did just like Ahmet did to Bartimaeus yep and so Bartimaeus has turned the tables and uh he has defeated Ahmet and then he just like lightly drops the ring in the water gets wet he's like I fulfilled my charge now I'm going back <laughs> and that's where we have the funny scene where he's getting Kaba to to leap for his yep. amusement <laughs> when he gets back yeah um so at that point, um, Bartimaeus returns, uh, and does he give the ring to Asmira, and then she decides to give it to Solomon? Um, is, that, is that how no, that goes down? No, <clears throat> I think, um, well, like, as Ahmet, he, like, toys with Kaba, and then... <laughs> I think it was described as like he just like smacked him like across the palace and like he like hit him just some like bookshelves or something and went unconscious. Yep. And so Kaba's Kaba's like incapacitated essentially, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think he gives it to Asmira. I don't think Asmira touches it. She only touched it that one time, and mm-hmm. I think she talks to or he talks to Asmira, and Asmira says. I've decided we need to give it back to Solomon because obviously Kaba having it was not a good idea. 
and um, things weren't so bad whenever Solomon had it. He was able to control it and not go insane and crazy and try to destroy everybody. And it also seems like she, uh, she understands now and believes that Solomon was telling the truth about the messenger and that he wasn't trying to destroy their his destroy her country of Sheba. And so she uh, she has misjudged Solomon's character, essentially. And so she's basically coming to realize, like, the heirs of her, the theme that we had brought up before, the heirs of her blind faith. Like, she had this blind faith in Queen Balkis and her country of Sheba that it was blinding her to the truth. And if she knew the truth, she wouldn't be doing the things that she do- that she's doing. So... Therefore, she has to, you know, recant and uh, give the ring back to the person who should have it and who can, uh, he can take, again, major theme, he can take the burden of the power and he can uh, channel it or he can, you know, contain it as best he can where other people maybe couldn't, right? Yeah, contain is the best word to use there because he is not, he will like use the power of the ring but he is basically saying like the reason he walks around with it on all the time is because if he is left if the ring is not on his finger it could be stolen right and um so he's preventing all magicians like because he knows how corrupt people are because we're all humans we're all fallen we all naturally have a tendency to put ourselves first or our family first um, and yep. and we ha- we're all guilty of the sin of pride. And Kaba right. is like very proud. He he's like you know passing judgment on people, and he hates yeah. Solomon for. Making he's like the extreme him. example of what would happen. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, um, and then Solomon uses the ring to summon Balkus right there yeah, on there the spot. <laughs> Bam! Did you see that coming? No, I didn't. That was a cool. Th- that was cool though, because you got you can have the direct, you know, conversation with Asmir and Balkus, and yeah, it's just her like disappointment in Asmira was, I guess it's understandable because she gave her a task, a royal to do, decree, right? To she, complete in her name. She's basically like, I, I didn't do what you said, and I gave the ring back to Solomon, so sorry (laughs) and and, yeah i don't know it was was interesting i think uh but i guess it's like she understands now that the queen isn't she's not god like she's still a human being she makes mistakes like she's not gonna have that i think for the long for her whole life she was like seeking the approval of the queen and her whole life was about the queen and so yes. now that she's mm-hmm. now that she's overcome that that idea and that thing that she believed uh the queen being disappointed in her and basically not wanting her to be a part of the guard anymore like it, that doesn't that doesn't crush her in a way that maybe it would if she had still had that uh belief in the queen and that that uh loyalty to her so yeah i don't know and I think, yeah, no, I just tying that into like Christian faith and like how Asmir is able to like weather uh, like Balkus's like 
disapproval and basically like shunned her like right we are supposed to be able to do that with the ways of the world the world you know tells you that right. you know fame and fortune and uh all these things are good things uh and that's you know a way for the devil to like if you're into that sort of thing he can like pull that and manipulate you and like we're supposed to be above worldly things you know we're supposed to understand the worldly things but we're not of this world our our true life right. it, uh, humanity or like your life on earth is so finite and so small right. that um eternity is just going to be forever and so like it is important the choices that we make here and i i try and act that way like well like pretending people are immortal because like our souls are immortal and then like like trying to handle people in a way that like Mm -hmm. honors them and respects them and and holds them up and lifts them up like um trying to find out what they need to have a good day like um where i work at my school with um you know difficult children like i just know that this puts an incredible tax on like the people around me the teachers who are with them the classroom therapists day in day out and uh like you just have to like try and lighten that burden for them because mm -hmm. that's what we're here to do and so i just want to encourage our listeners like like the way you walk through your life matters the way that you treat people matters and and god is evaluating you along the way and that's a scary thought because the bar is so high that right. you're never going to jump over it yourself. It's only by God's grace do we get into heaven, not through works, right. not, not through other things. Right. Um, and so, you know, you have to have the right posture. Um, and so yep. the idol here is that Balkis is my all. Like she tells me everything. I, my, I base my value off of her, you know, being pleased with me. Yes. And then, and then, like now, she doesn't have that idol anymore, and she can walk free in her own skin and and make her own decisions. And I think, yep. you know, that's what the gospel is supposed to do for us as Christians: is to free us from those worldly things, so yes. that we can walk through life and be, you know, light for for God's cause and bring other people to the light. Right. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, and also that reminds me of that passage in James where it says faith without works is dead. And so it's not that it's not that we not that our works give us our salvation, it's that we get our salvation through our faith, but that faith isn't <clears throat> like it's not like a a true sense of like you're not living it out properly if you're not doing anything in the world to display what God has already given you in a sense. So like we need to be in the world, but not of the world, like you said, and um, doing our best to be good representatives of of Jesus Christ and pointing people to that truth and not to the truth. The I'm using air quotes if you're listening on audio. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the the truth that the world will tell you is what you need to be focusing on, whether that's fame or fortune or whatever. Um, just, you know, like just do you, man, whatever makes you feel good. And that's oh, just, yeah. what you, that's just what you should do. Right. If it feels good, yeah. you should do it. Yeah. Feels good. You should just do it. You do you. Um, yeah. 
what whatever makes you happy you know right. all this like you know the the pathway to heaven is narrow right and it, it doesn't always lead to happiness like um i right. i'm pretty sure we see eye to eye on this that there isn't like a prosperity gospel like if you start honoring god and believing in god it doesn't yeah. mean that life is all of a sudden going like things are going to fall in your lap and and go the way um, right. I do. I do think that living a Christian life and living out the values is going to build you, build your house on the rock. Right. And so, like, because you are acting in a way that's honorable and respecting of God and respecting of other humans, people see that, and it like gives you a strong foundation. You can put on your, um, yeah, you know, your your armor of God, and it will protect you. Right. But just because you're um, protected doesn't mean that you're going to get that raise or you're going to get, you know, the thing that you want to do, like that's yeah. prosperity gospel. And that's not accurate to it's yeah. in the Bible. It says when it rains, it rains on all people, the just and like the unjust alike. Um, right. And I'm, I apologize if I butchered that, but <laughs> it, it applies that there will be, there will be good times for bad people and, there will be bad times for good people. Like there's no guarantee. The only thing that's guaranteed is if we follow the Lord and we right. repent um, and we follow Jesus Christ, that we have a chance to get into heaven. Yeah. Um, and he, he evaluates your heart. So you have to get your heart in the right posture. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the book of Proverbs is also just laced with, you know, like life wisdom like this is these are things that you should be thinking about whenever you're making decisions and acting in the world but it doesn't mean that if you do the things in proverbs like your life will just be smooth sailing the rest of the way you know what i mean um mm -hmm. like like you said good things or bad things do happen to good people and that's because this is a, just a fallen world and satan for right now is lord over the world um, and the church is like the buffer between Satan's power and, uh, has like full power of what he could do like during the tribulation where all the, all the rails will be taken off for Satan's power. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. We kind of got on a massive little t tangent there. I don't know where we started that or how we got onto that tangent. Um, but it eludes me at the moment as well. <laughs> That's that was such a long side quest. We just didn't know how to get back. It's okay. That's okay. Um, we can bring uh, it back to the end of the book. Yeah. We, well, we were talking about uh, Balkis and uh, her disappointment in Asmira. I think that's where we started off this. Yep. With the idol. Yep. Okay. We we right. got there. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so basically, the very end of the book is. Um, Solomon asks Asmira if she wants to be part of his guard, essentially, and to live in the palace with him and, uh, yeah, basically just work for him. And she's like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to turn him down. And Barnabas is like, why? You'd have everything you'd ever want here. It's like you'd be rich and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think Asmira just – I think she just – feels like she needs some time to like sort out her life like she needs some you know what i mean like you've been in like imagine like if you were 
in like a cult and like you got out of the cult and then somebody <laughs> else was like, Oh, I want you to come and join this other cult. I'm in, in air quotes or whatever it is. Yeah. Join this other group. Um, I think some, I think you might just want to be like, I just want to like not be in any groups right now. I don't want to join a side. I just want to like live my life and think and be able to, you know, like get a little bit of life experience and, you know, like I think she said, she's going to like travel and be like a, a caravan guard or something after her experience mm-hmm. traveling. And so I think she just wants to travel a little bit, meet a lot of different people hear like a bunch of different opinions on, you know, world views and stuff like that. I think she just wants to, you know, take some a time journey of self discovery. Yeah. That seems like what she's going to be doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's a that's a fitting ending for where she was, and yeah, I just think that uh, you know, like she, you know, she learned that her like her blind face in her religion didn't get her anywhere, and whenever that was challenged and she didn't have like there was no way to refute the evidence, then her like her whole worldview just came like crashing down, and all of her foundation was blown away, and so she needs some time to like find something else and rebuild a new foundation for her life to be built upon. Um, so that seems like we're what she's going to be doing. And I'm actually trying to remember, I don't remember what happened in the last chapter with, uh, Bartimaeus. It was essentially his dismissal, um, oh, from, right, right, right. from her service. Um, Oh so yeah. Yeah. You can, you can and, go, continue. And yeah. And so, um, he's like you know the words right and she was like yeah and then they like find the pentacles so that uh, they can perform the ritual that will send Bartimaeus home and he's looking forward to that Um, and so he's about to be dismissed and he's like hold on just just a second and he goes over to a a large mural of King Solomon and just defaces it and Uh, I, I don't know if it was like I feel I feel like he put horns on him I don't know it's something right, yeah. something know, like that um, yeah like messed with him and he's like okay continue like now you can dismiss me <laughs> that's a very Barton ass yeah. thing to do yeah he's just like up to mischief um, you know up to no good uh, so he's got to get his one little like last dig in at Solomon um, so that was fun and then he was like describing her you know, saying the dismissal words and how she hesitated three times. She had one major stumble, but he was just going to overlook that so that he could go home. Yeah. I was actually um, curious, like how that worked. If like, she didn't do it right. Could he like say it's not good enough or whatever? Like, I didn't understand. Like if she messed up, so, like, wouldn't that like not make it work or like, how does that whole process work? Yeah, I guess if, um, so it's all about if, it's about the timing and speaking the, the spell and it, it creates like bonds around the entity. And so at this point they're being lifted. And so if she doesn't say it right, she is potentially risking her safety. Like he could maybe attack her on his way out because oh, you're, okay. you're, you're breaking down the barriers. And if you don't do it the right way, like think of it like a, a shoot, like, yeah, I understand. What you're saying and he's, yeah. He's going to go straight down, but if if she breaks it out the wrong way, she could get hurt. But right. he was just like, I'm going to leave. So yeah. um, I've had enough of this, she, this place. Yep. And then um, she um, 
is going to just go out into the day and see what happens. And that's where we conclude our story, The Ring of Solomon. There you go. The end. All right. I actually had a question. Uh, yeah. Actually, I actually have two questions. Uh, okay. After, so this book ends, and then the original trilogy, mm-hmm. is it? does it imply that, did he have other adventures between this book and the original trilogy? Or is this, like, does he not wake up until the trilogy starts, the original trilogy starts? So, um... Or not wake up, like, I, summoned. I, yeah, it's uh, summoned, I think, would be the best term. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, it alludes to there being time between their... Wait, I can't remember. Because there's definitely, like, in the third book, like, he talks about something like the abacus or in, like, the stone or something. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it implied that there was an adventure that he went on that was not detailed in either the second book or the third book. And I can't Mm -hmm. remember if um, Jonathan Stroud built in some other things, like some other services that he's been in, other than the main one. Right. Uh, in that series, then that we yeah. visit in the third book, so not a big deal. I, I was just curious. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. Cool. Second question I had was, uh, we didn't really talk about we didn't talk about this at all. But whenever they're using the ring, there's this like presence that they mm-hmm. are talking to, and I was just curious if you what you thought the presence was like who is or what is the presence and what is it like, where does it get its power? You know, all of this mm. kind of stuff. So it has to be something like if it is controlling, like all of these, like thou- it feels like thousands of like genies and Afrites and marrieds and yeah. hordes of imps and everything. It has to be more powerful than all of those things. Yeah. Um, and so, like they kind of describe um, the other the other side as like um, like they can e- even like conjure like by naming something in that place they can summon it out of there and then there's like greater demons that um, have only been named and summoned by um, a certain number of people so like in like the other series it kind of details how like some spirits are so strong that they need like four magicians to summon it and that's like a really strong like married or something and then there's you know wilder bigger energies beyond that and that and the married makes like could kill like let's say like thousands of imps you know and thousands of foliots and fight you know bunches of genies you know and gin um so and then he's saying there's darker, even more shadowy creatures like with more power beyond them. So this had to be one of those creatures, right, um, okay. if it can control all of those. And what I'm imagining is that there was like some sort of magical cabal that like yes. had, you know, like thirty or fifty. So they had people. they had this super powerful spirit and they infused it and linked it to this individual to ring. The ring. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then. Right. Um, and then so it's, you know, confined to the ring, but 
the amount of energy that went into that ceiling and like containing it within the ring had to have been done by a group of magic users, highly skilled, um, and lots of them. Um, yeah. So I think I think that would be kind of like how right. I, I see the presence like got into the ring. Hmm. I'd like to see that story. Oh, so, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Stroud. If you're gonna listen to this podcast, that's the story I want. <laughs> that's the story I want. Yeah. The creation maybe. of the ring. Oh yeah. Maybe that's well, like maybe, a novella or something. Maybe it was uh was it uh Sauron? I don't know. Maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> um okay. Verse first Jonathan Stroud book. Tyler, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um it has like there's some really fun parts and some really serious parts. And uh yeah, I I liked Bartimaeus's kind of humor throughout and his um, kind of st- stumbling kind of nature. He doesn't like he he's I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but he's he's the type of he's obviously very highly skilled and hot and very intelligent. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he I mean, he can plan, but I think he's very much like he just takes things in stride and he. Uh, is really like on the fly and he's very quick on his feet and sometimes that can be really good but if sometimes that can be really bad if you didn't plan for a specific scenario and you're just like out of your depth essentially um Mm -hmm. so yeah i just think he's he's an interesting character and uh yeah he makes the scenes very fun whenever he's uh making snide little comments or little jokes or you know whatever uh and like the way that he talks to Ahmet whenever he's like defeated him or even as he's just like running away and I love that scene where he like he like got the big uh wooden trees essentially and like made them like big stakes that, and just flung him into Ahmet and so like ah oh, you yep. can't fly now because you got two big holes in your spirit so haha um <laughs> so yeah just just a lot of fun uh yeah and there's also like the stuff with Asmira and you know I think that's like it's like it's, it's a good story just for um and for people to learn like you can't have blind faith in anything i mean like even in like christianity you don't have blind faith like you uh there's all of the arguments and the cause you know arguments for god and you see the evidence in creation and you know logical arguments like there's all these things where it's not like uh god exists and i just believe that and there's nothing else like there is a lot of things within Christianity that you believe for a reason, not just because you want to believe them blindly. Right. So, um, I think that's just a good lesson. Like you don't blindly believe in people or religions. Like you have to think about why you believe those things and, uh, like test your faith. Right. mm -hmm, And that's how you find and like hone your identity. Like what, what are the things that you will stand up for and, you know, there are so many times I look back at my life where I was just like a follower. Like, right. um, someone would say something like, oh, yeah, like, okay, now I believe that. That makes sense. Right. And then, like, you're never, like, I was never evaluating that, you know, with what Christ has said or what, you know, the Bible has revealed about God's character. Mm-hmm. There was never that, that measure, like, uh, where I'm going to compare what someone has said 
right. to what what God tells me to do. And now that I've done that, I've become a stronger person, right? Um, because I do, I do try to evaluate, you know, what what would God have me do in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. Build the house build, on the rock. Build the house on the rock. Um, yeah, so that's my final thoughts, and I think that's that's a good place to end it. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be down to doing other Bartimaeus books in the future. So, if that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> if you'd like to see us read more Bartimaeus, <laughs> leave us a comment. Um, maybe we will get to them in the future. Uh, there's so much to read, so we'll we'll do our best yep. to see if we can do as many things as we can. Um, I will say he also has another fun series uh, called Lockwood and Co. Yeah, um, I read that in his bio at the end. Yeah, and it's more, um, they're like psychic investigators. Um, okay. And they, and they investigate ghosts, and there's like different types of ghosts. It, it's kind of like the, 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 like the different types of spirits. Oh, spinning like, yeah, spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so they have like, you know, the the white woman apparition and then like mm-hmm. the horror and like there's ectoplasm and yeah mm-hmm. so those are that's another um story uh like i think it's a five it's five books and i've read that okay. i think twice um so that one's also interesting yeah yeah there's just there's so much to read and <laughs> There's like not enough time to do. There's not enough time to read them all in general, but there's definitely not enough time to do all of them on the podcast. Uh, yeah. So it's just yeah. There's if we do the podcast until we're like eighty, I bet sure we could get to we'll, a lot of books. We'll get it all. <laughs> not we'll possible. All the books. Um, I don't know how many people would listen to us if we're eighty. So <laughs> we'll be young oh, at well. heart. That's right. All right, so that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening or watching if you're on the YouTube version. And the next episode is going to be on... So I I mentioned previously it's going to be a new type of book. And that is going to be a uh, a manga. Manga? Manga? Whichever way you want to say it. And it's called Vinland Saga. I've seen this uh, on a lot of booktube type channels a lot of people are doing different mangas and stuff so some people do in uh vinland saga berserk's really popular uh one piece there's a bunch of different things that people have been doing on uh on the booktube space so this one looked the most interesting to me it's some historical fiction set during like the viking era um and so yeah it looks pretty cool and uh i'm actually i'm really excited to read this because i've never read um actually that's not that's not true i have a one manga i don't know if you can see i have a manga down there somewhere uh that i got at some convention that was like a local artist guy who did it uh so i have one manga that i've read but yeah this will be fun because you read it from right to left instead of left to right so that will definitely take some getting used to and there's no audio version for this so unfortunately that means gabe's gonna have to actually have a physical book and read it so what do you think no! about that <laughs> i'm a little scared to be honest yeah. uh i am a i'm a slow reader i'm a very slow reader i am too um so it's just like um i really like the audio books because they're with me in the car they're with me like when I'm cooking dinner, like I put it on, I listen. And, yep. um, 
I'm a little worried. I'm going to I'm going to try and make sure I get it all done in the timeline to make sure that we get it <laughs> recorded the right way. And hey, it's our first manga, but it's also going to be our first episode of 2023. So That's right, cuz Bartimaeus will be December, and then uh, January will be Vinland Saga. So if you look in the front here of the book here, we have uh, the table of contents. I think my video is actually flipped, so you guys are going to see this, and it's all going to be backwards. But um, So we're basically we're going to do chapters 1 through 5, plus the bonus material if we talk about that, and that will be part 1. And then we'll do chapters 6 through 16, and that will be part 2. That sounds like disproportionate, but chapters 1 through 5 is about 200 pages, and then chapters 6 through 16 is also about 200 pages. So the chapters, oh. are, just, the chapters are just shorter in the second half. Um, I got you. And that's the way that it was originally released. So book 1, or the first volume or whatever, was chapters 1 through 5. So... That's uh, that's the best way to break it up. So that's what we'll do. If you want to follow along, so you can pick this up in December and read it with us, and uh, so that's what we'll be doing. So yeah, look looking forward to that. And yeah, as always, check us out on social media and our website, pagesoflight.com. Go and subscribe on YouTube. Trying to get to some more subscribers up there, and uh, that way you can check out the video version as well. And all the other videos that I have up on the channel. Also, make sure you leave us a review on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us on your audio platforms. And that's going to do it. Any last thoughts, Gabe? We just got to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. That's right. Remember the reason for the season. And uh, I think we'll have one episode before we enter the new year. Yeah, we'll probably try to do like a 2022 wrapped or and 2023 planning or plans or whatever, something like that. Where it's we're not going to talk about a specific book. We'll just kind of, it'll be kind of like the work, like the podcast is coming back type of thing. Where we're just going to sit down and chat. More for, informal. Yeah, yeah. Just chat for an hour or whatever about what are what we've been doing, what we're going to do in 2023, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week, and we will see you guys in the next episode. See ya. Bye.